This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. Money! is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanny Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And uh, this was possibly the greatest weekend, greatest opening weekend, greatest weekend ever of college football. Well, Ricky, it was certainly history-making as seven top 25 teams lost. That's the first time that that many teams have lost. And it was great going into Monday knowing that that record would be broken because Monday was featuring two top 25 teams. This is also like, I looked at the rankings this week. I mean, Houston making a huge jump. You've got Tennessee. They win their game to Appalachian State. They escape that game. They fall, what was it, from like, what, eight all the way down to now low double digits, almost 20. LSU's now 21. It was a crazy week. We're going to try to dissect as much as possible. You may be thinking, guys, you're a little bit late to the party this week. I know, Labor Day screwed everything up. We're doing this podcast on Wednesday recording instead of Monday like we usually do. But we got a jam-packed show, a little bit of an SEC-heavy show. We're going to be talking LSU. We're going to be talking Tennessee. And we're going to be talking Texas, the three teams we're focusing on this week. Because guess what? This next week coming up, besides the Tennessee game and maybe the Illinois-UNC game, not a lot going on. Not a lot. Everyone's playing their cupcake teams this week. So we get an extra chance to kind of look back and see what happened. But what? Mississippi State thought that they were playing their cupcake team in week one oh, when and they, they played lost. South Alabama. And they but, lost. Uh, their kicker couldn't make a 25-yard field goal. And right off, right off the left upright. Yeah. Just boink, right off that upright. And they're going to have a big test this week going up against the South Carolina Gamecocks. I don't know if that's the a will, huge The Will Muschamp-led South Carolina Gamecocks. And the interesting thing there is that will Mississippi State be so, I guess, just feeling like crap that they'll come out and have a crap performance? I don't want to give anything away because this is one of the games in our picks video, but I'll tell you this. They got a good offense. They scored more points than South Carolina, and South Carolina only put up, what, 14 against Vandy, who's not that good and only won 14-13, to I believe. So, yeah, Bulldog fans, don't be too worried about going up against the Gamecocks, but the team from that same conference in the SEC that I want to throw your way, Brandon, is the LSU Tigers. They went into Lambeau played Wisconsin, and everybody, including me, including you, all slept on the Wisconsin Badgers. Like, there was a Snapchat from the players after the game in the Snapchat story, and I think it was one of their running backs was like, why Why are people sleeping on us? Why are they sleeping on us? How shocked were you when LSU lost 16-14 to to the Wisconsin Badgers? You know, I was. I, 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 was, I was shocked, and I went to... The Cubs game last week, and there were a lot of LSU fans there. This was on Friday, and there were a lot of LSU fans that were doing a road trip, mm-hmm. going to Wrigley Field, and they were going to Lambeau. And I thought that was a great idea, but I, I saw a couple of them like, you guys all here, you know, doing a road trip and then heading up to the game. And they said, yeah, I said, you're going to be able to take care of Wisconsin easily. And they said, oh, well, we don't know about that. And I said, I do. You're going to win. I jinxed them, and they're now wondering where that son of a gun is who was so confident. But I was. I was Mm -hmm. uber confident that LSU had it in the bag. Leonard Fournette got over 100 yards, 138 if I'm not mistaken, somewhere right around there. You were right, 138 on 23 carries. He doesn't score. LSU found it difficult to score. Mm-hmm. As did Wisconsin, but Wisconsin obviously ended up with more points, sixteen fourteen, and it was a it was a Big Ten game, well, a, a low scoring kind of defensive battle. But when it comes down to it, I think the reason why, if people, you know, if you're not an LSU fan, where you're like, oh LSU, LSU, you bleeding LSU, mm-hmm. I think that you certainly pick LSU because of the fact that. You saw what Wisconsin was last year, and it wasn't very good. They were underwhelming, and of course it goes to a new season, but you expect that the SEC team that is usually a predominant powerhouse is going to 
take down, even though it's a Big Ten team, one of the lesser teams from the Big Ten last well, year. And the thing that LSU, I mean, you look at both quarterback play, and it wasn't that great. You look at Wisconsin last year, they had the senior, they had Joel Stavi. He's now in the NFL being the third-string quarterback for my Minnesota Vikings. You had Houston, He might be the first string soon. Maybe. You had Houston in there this week through two picks. Didn't score a single touchdown. But for LSU, to me, the game showed that you haven't developed a good enough quarterback in Brandon Harris. Like, coming into the year, our biggest question with this team was the defense is going to be fine, the offense is going to lean on Leonard Fournette, but when Leonard Fournette can't be there, who's got to be the one to pick things up a little bit? That's got to be your quarterback in Brandon Harris, and that just didn't happen. I mean, he had a game where he went 12 of 21, 131 yards, a tutty, and two INTs. That can't happen. And the thing I look at this is there's a lot of people saying, LSU, are they dead in the water? Can they come back and they still make the college football playoff? Yes, they can because they play in the SEC, but I look at what they did on Saturday and then I look at what Alabama did, a team that's going to play in their same conference that these two are going to meet up at some point this year, and I just start cringing and going, ugh, because it's not going to be pretty. And right now, if you were to say, Ricky, who's winning that game, Alabama in a landslide because LSU just doesn't have the quarterback play to compete right now, in my mind. Right now, the the game changer is Brandon Harris. And Brandon Harris is an extremely talented quarterback. He has all the tools to be successful in college, mm-hmm. to be a successful quarterback, and to take LSU to the playoffs. But has his coaching staff developed him to set him up for success? I don't think you're on the right track. I think it's more of him being the one that is overanalyzing, overthinking. And I think that he is beating himself too much mentally when he makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. And he's not able to jump back from that. He doesn't have a short memory. He does not. And I think he'll then question his throws. He'll question his reads. He'll double. He'll second guess himself. He'll overthink himself. And I think that's the problem. I think that's a pro- I think it's a mental thing for him. And, and sports are a huge mental game. Mm-hmm. Some more so than others. But... Certainly, when you're the quarterback of a big-time team, you've got to be there mentally. Your team needs you there mentally, especially, and that's the most frustrating thing for LSU fans, for LSU players and coaches, because they know he's got it. He knows he's got it, but he can't get inside his own head and start questioning himself after each incompletion, after each interception, after each high pass, things like that. He can't do that because that's not doing himself or his team any good because if he looks worried, they'll be worried. If he looks un, you know, uncertain of himself, mm-hmm. they'll be uncertain if they're running or being in the right position for the route. It's really coming down. I agree with you in the sense it comes down, down to quarterback play. It comes down to Brandon Harrison. What can he do? What can he do for this team? Because he's either they're either going to – very much excel with him or they're going to struggle and someone might lose their job. Well, and Leonard Fournette right now, and I'm going to start with Fournette, bring it back to Harris. Leonard Fournette to me, he's he's the main guy on this team. There's no question about it. But in college, he's living the Adrian Peterson life of the NFL. Adrian Peterson, one of the best backs in the NFL. Hasn't had a significant quarterback. I believe he's had, what, 12 quarterbacks or so since he came into the league. It's been a coaching carousel for him. Leonard Fournette in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, he's had that one quarterback, but he's kind of living that same, like, hey, it's all on me and it can't be all on me. Brandon Harris needs to needs to do something. And I'm not saying he's got to take the game over. He's got to be Fran- like Francois was for Florida State, or like Jameis Winston used to be for Florida State. He doesn't need to be like Tim Tebow, what he used to bring to Florida. He's just got to play well enough to where 
every because I can see it now. Every other SEC team saying, "Fuck it, we're just going to load the box." Come after Leonard Fournette. Come after your quarterback. You make a Brandon Harris. You make us pay. You make us pay because we're just going to shut down Fournette. We're just going to focus on Fournette. Make you pay. And based on what you were saying, that maybe it's Harris. Like he second guesses himself. The title of this video is on YouTube. Is is Les Miles on the hottest seat? Should Les Miles be on the hot seat, or should? The people of Louisiana go, no, 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 it's not his fault. It's the quarterback's fault. Come on, Ricky. When do you ever look at the fans and say, that's oh, the quarterback's <laughs> fault? Because if it's the quarterback's fault, that means there needs to be a change at quarterback. Mm-hmm. There's no change at quarterback. It's then the head coach, right? Come on. Mm-hmm. We know who's going to lose in that situation. It's the head the coach. coach 10 out of 10 times. And right now, I, I do think that Les Miles is on a hot seat. I really do because... Everyone knows that he was on a hot seat at the end of last year. Most people, myself being included, didn't think he was going to make it to the offseason as the LSU head coach. He would have been a hot commodity for anyone looking to hire, but I did not think that Les Miles was going to make it to this season. I really didn't. After the way that things were going towards the end of last year and the way that LSU underwhelmed uh, for their fans, for their program, for what they said is the expectation and is the bar for them, I think, too, is, you know, an interesting thing, and 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 David Ching, an ESPN staff writer, you know, wrote, but 20 minutes ago, while we're doing this podcast on Wednesday, uh, he writes, although Les Miles said he hasn't interacted with fans this week because he's been coming to work earlier and leaving later than normal, LSU's coach is still well aware of the heavy criticism his staff is taking after losing to Wisconsin on Saturday with an anemic performance on offense. He said, quote, we understand the situation we're in, end quote. So, he understands that they're in a bad spot uh, after week one. They're, they're not where they wanted to be. I think they believed that they would be winning that game. But uh, a real interesting thing is that Miles, he does a live call-in show at a Baton Rouge restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be doing that coming up in less than 20 minutes. Ching writes, should be a cringeworthy broadcast. So already fans are jumping on the go after Les Miles' train, well, and that is, that's not going to bode well for him, especially, Ricky, it's too early in the season mm-hmm. for people, fans especially, to go, be going after Les Miles. It's too early. Well, and here's the thing that plays into it. This year, after one week, you are seeing a ton of college analysts, and this is going to be a discussion for a later time, but a lot of analysts right now are saying, oh, they're... Could po- some are saying their cop could possibly be a two-loss team making the playoffs. There's other ones saying that we will see a two-loss team make the playoffs. With how LSU is, they can't manage another loss because if they do and beat Alabama, Alabama has one loss. They're still going to get over over them into the SEC title game. It's just the nature of the beast of where LSU is. Also, the one thing I find interesting is. The game that they have coming up in just a few days this weekend, they're playing Jacksonville State. This is the same Jacksonville State team. I know it was a different opponent, but last year they went into Auburn, played up, and almost beat, probably should have beaten, the Auburn Tigers. And This is a team that could play up to you and beat you in your home stadium. And why was that last year? Because Johnson had poor mm-hmm. quarterback play at Auburn. He struggled mightily, and that's why they should have lost that game, and that's why it was even as close as it was. Also, the defense obviously wasn't doing their thing, mm-hmm. but Johnson was horrible. He was horrible at the quarterback position all of last year, really, and especially in that game. So that shows that, yes, Jacksonville State could do it, but what I wanted to look at from the schedule is that you do not play a, at the right now, ranked. a ranked team until October 22nd at home versus Ole Miss. You have Mississippi State at Auburn, Mizzou at Florida versus at home versus USM. Florida, I think, I think think Florida could be a test, though, Mm -hmm. on the road in Florida. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I think that that could definitely be a test. I think it definitely could be a test there. If you lose, let's say, let's say by some chance you lose one of those games, you haven't even gotten to the meat of your schedule yet. 
and you have two losses. You have two losses. That's if you do. That's if you do lose one of those games. Will you? Remains to be seen. But I think that speaks volumes because you already have that one loss, and that's you are in a tight situation right now. Mm-hmm. If you are less miles, your team has got to be focused. They've got to be focused every week. Every week. Every week. It's this game. Not the next one. This game. I'm not saying that they're not, but they need all their focus on the game at hand right now. The game at hand this week, today, if, if we're talking Saturday, they need to be focused because you let up at all on the gas with your focus, that's when another team slides in because they were better prepared. I am going to throw a theory at you. And in our kind of pre-podcast discussion, I prepared you for this. I played you the clip that I heard earlier today off of um, the Herd's YouTube channel. Today the Herd had Joel Klatt on. And Joel Klatt was talking about the main topic was the Alabama Crimson Tide have hired Coach Sark, Sarkeesian, the ex-Trojan uh, head coach, to be kind of like an offensive advisor. And Clatt was kind of talking like, you know what, why are they doing this? Oh, probably because, you know, Lane Kiffitt's probably going to get a head coaching job at the end of the year again. They're just trying to get his kind of successor in there. And he goes, wait a second, Nick Saban's a smart guy. He's usually... Four steps ahead of anyone else was his exact quote. I'm going to throw this at you. He threw out the theory that Alabama tried to take Sarkeesian off the market now so that a team like LSU, a team that they are going to see later, who might need an offensive coach, an offensive core, might need a change midseason if all this quarterback trouble still happens, take him off the market so that LSU can't grab him and bring him aboard. What do you think about that theory? I, I think that that theory is probably spot on. I really do. I really do because Nick Saban is no dummy. He has all the strategy up in, up in his head. He is so strategic. Mm-hmm. So strategic. I would not put that past him at all. He wants to win. He doesn't want his rivals to There's win. There's no rule against it. No rule saying he can't do it. You're right. Bring Sarkeesian on as like a third, four set of eyes. LSU can't have him. Yeah, absolutely you're right. Absolutely you're right. Now I got two more questions kind of to um, close this off is Danny Etling. We talked about him before the season started. Transfer from Purdue. Based on how Brandon Harris plays, let's say they get the win over Jacksonville State, but Brandon Harris doesn't do well. How many games into the SEC season does um, Harris go before we could possibly see a Danny Etling sighting for replacing Brandon Harris? I'm going to give him till week four. I'm going to give him till till week four, and that's the I was say, week four. I would say that's the game at Auburn, possibly week six at Florida. Uh, between four to six weeks, between four to six weeks, and 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 that's it, and and that's it, because if if Harris can't can't get it together by then, I I just I don't know. And the last question I got for you, this is I'm reading this from College Football Talk in NBC Sports site. The O lineman, I'm hoping I'm going to say this name right, um, Josh Booty, um, who had that cheap shot. For the LSU game. I do not agree with this. I think it should be a lot stronger. But his late hit. Did you see the late hit? Didn't see it. It was absolutely terrible. What happened was there was an interception late in the game for Wisconsin that sealed the deal. Wisconsin player holding the ball in one hand, not even trying to secure it. Teammates coming around to kind of celebrate with them. Offensive lineman from LSU comes out of nowhere, clocks him. Just straight up clocks him, forearm to what looked like the neck head area. He only gets one game. Only getting one game for that. To me, that because I I just think it should have been more. I remember when it happened and I saw it. 
I had mentioned it in our fantasy football draft, I believe. I said he should be suspended for, I think I said indefinitely, but that's probably a little bit too strong. I'm just very, just so if you're new to the primetime podcast, I'm the kind of person that player safety is huge for me. And if you're going to do a move that is going to endanger the safety of someone else, you have no right to play this game. You have no right to play this game. I agree with you. I think that if I agree with you in the sense of if you are legitimately going and targeting someone and trying to injure someone, you've got to be ejected. There's got to be a suspension coming. Sometimes there just happens to be a there there happens to be a, a hit that that you 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 do not try to do it. It just happens. It just happens. And and I think that. It's got to be on a situation-by-situation basis, personally. Because this one was late in the game. The interception basically put the cap around the game. Wisconsin was going to kneel it out and win it. And then that hit happens. And it's like, you know what? He wasn't even trying to secure the ball. He had the ball in one hand. He even fell to the ground beforehand, basically giving himself up after the interception and got up to celebrate. And then it happens. You can't have that in this game. And I think one game, one, I'll, I'll put it this way, one game at the least is two less. Should have been more. Uh, I'm not going to say how much, but should have been more. I have not seen the hit, so I cannot I cannot for, cert, for certain mm-hmm. say, but I, I, that's not good. It's not, and I think that that's another thing that kind of talks into, you mentioned it about Brandon Harris. Well, he has the second-guessing himself, maybe other players on the team. We see that offense now kind of taking out, oh, that was a bad play, taking out the aggression in a wrong situation. I want you guys, though, down below to tell us what you guys think with LSU. What do you think? Is Les Miles on the hottest seat? Is Brandon Harris going to get replaced midway through the season? Is LSU, are we kind of shooting them down before the waters have even calmed? Are we just smelling blood in the waters and attacking the Tigers before there's anything to worry about? Let us know down below in the comment section. But let's move on. We're going to go from SEC to SEC. And Tennessee, they were a top 10 team. They are no longer a top 10 team. I believe in the latest rankings, they have fallen to 19 in the AP Top 25 poll. They just beat just beat the Appalachian State Mountaineers 20-23 to in overtime. They now play a big game against Virginia Tech, probably one of the only big games we have this weekend to watch. Brandon, Tennessee, they're kind of in a similar boat with the LSU Tigers to me where it was. I was watching that game against Appalachian State, and I'm thinking, really, we fucking hyped you up again, and this is what you're doing? Come on, Dobbs. We said, oh, this is the year they're going to take the step. Tennessee fans in the comment section were like, this is the year. And then they do that against Appalachian State. I was super disappointed. I was super disappointed. But at the same time, you know. Because they should have lost. You 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 look for Tennessee and you, you finally think, okay, okay, here they You know, last year we were really thinking, you know, this is it. This could be, you know. But it's like, what the heck? What the heck? And I, I couldn't, I shouldn't say I couldn't believe it because I could, but I just think that when you look at, when you look at the talent that they have and you look at the, I think, possibilities of where they could go if they actually use that talent the right way and if it all comes together, but clearly... Clearly, Tennessee isn't quite there yet. I mean, they're one and zero. They did get the win. They did not lose, but that was too close against a team that I think is not anywhere near the talent category of Tennessee. And they dropped eight spots. Uh, pardon me. They were they fell to seventeen in the AP top twenty poll. So they were eleven, dropped down to seventeen, and. This is the big game for me. The big one coming up, Virginia Tech, and I kind of feel like also on that side of it, it's kind of like last year when I'm like, oh, look at the, look at, look out for Virginia Tech. 
gonna gonna do some things against Ohio State, and then what happens? Action Braxton basically says, whoop, Madden spin move onto the end zone. Cardell Jones does some stuff. I believe JT Barrett was on the bench for some of that game, or at least that's all I remember it from last year from his point of view for most of that season. But, like, Tennessee, I just look at it and go, really? They, like, and I know that fans of Tennessee are going to say, well, Ricky, shoulda, coulda, woulda, we won the game. But you should have lost. You should have lost that game. If Appalachian State didn't have a freshman kicker, if they didn't have a freshman kicker, if Hurd didn't luckily fall on that ball in the end zone after Joshua Dobbs tried to do too much to extend the ball over the goal line in overtime, you lose that game. You lose that game. An extra point of field goal that could have been made by that kicker. And I just think the opponents that you have coming up for Tennessee, and yet again, it's kind of the same thing we talked about LSU. It's also the conference you play in. And it's one of those things where eventually you're going to see the SEC in full force. And guess what? Yeah, you might be on the other side, but you still have to play Alabama this season. So for Tennessee, it may be a, yeah, you can maybe get through Florida. Georgia's going to be tough. I mean, you have to play them. LSU doesn't. But you got some tough games. And the kind of stretch I look at is, yeah, they've got VT this weekend. You got to get past them. I know they're the heavy favorite to win, in their home state of Tennessee. Then you got what should be an easy game against Ohio, but if you could barely beat Appalachian State, I'm no longer saying any game is easy on your schedule. Then after the Florida game, it's the Georgia-Texas A&M-Alabama stretch. That's the key stretch for Tennessee. That's going to be the key stretch. How do you come out of that? And right now, I'd say 1-2, maybe 0-3. Like, Texas A&M surprised me week one. I was not expecting to see what I saw from Texas A&M against Josh Rosen and the UCLA Bruins. And you know, I think it uh I think it's one of those things where you, where you take a look at Tennessee and and you want to look long term. You know, you look long term and you think, okay, is this a team that I stick with or is this a team that I say, you know what, you you got to move on from them. And I think that I think that they're a team that if we're talking buy or sell, I think, I think you sell them. I think you sell them right now. And I, I, no matter what you we may have said in the in the beginning in the off season when we talked about them, things like that. Well, that and, was before football was even played. Exactly, exactly. And I think that, that for for Tennessee, it's a I think it's a repeating. Effect. It, it, it's almost like a lingering injury for a player. They just have lingering ineffectiveness, and that is a killer. Well, it's just I just think when it's this like watching that game, my biggest thought, and this you may be saying, well, Ricky, you're repeating yourself, but it was that big. Was I was just sitting there going, "Holy shit, we did the same thing we did last year, the same exact thing." To a T. Tennessee favorites to win their side of the SEC. Tennessee going to be led by Joshua Dobbs. Tennessee going to do great things. Then they come out and play like that against Appalachian State. Here's the good. And Tennessee fans, you've probably already roasted me in the comment section, which I will take. But here's my kind of saving grace to you. You can We can harp on this game all we want. Say like, oh, they should have lost. Bottom line, they got the win. Put it behind you. Come out this week. Prove us wrong. That's the great thing about winning week one and escaping with a win. Put it behind us. Come out the next week. Recharged. Better than that. Put it behind you. You know what? It didn't happen. You know, for a loss, it might be harder to do that because now you feel like you might be behind the eight ball. But Tennessee, you don't have to feel like you're behind the eight ball. I just, like I said... I look at that schedule, and Flor- like Florida's a wild card to me. Like You mentioned them in the LSU segment. They're a wild card. How are they going to be once we get to SEC like 
conference play, how are they going to do? But at Georgia, at Texas A&M, and fuck it, you can play Alabama wherever you want. Alabama will beat you anywhere on the planet. That's how good that they are. I think right now I agree with you 110%. If you're buying or selling and you have the Tennessee stock, fucking sell it. Just push it away. Say, no, I don't want that. I'll let somebody else take that. Tennessee right now, uh, the one thing that they certainly have going for them, I, I think, is their defense. I think they do have a legitimate mm-hmm. defense, and I think that if anything, this season, if they are wanting to remain successful, they need that defense to continue to keep them in a game because that's what happened this past weekend. They won 20-13, to 13, and there's a reason for that. Their defense helped keep them in the game and, and, and held Appalachian State in that offense at bay, which it really shouldn't have to be that hard uh, for Appalachian State to be held at bay offensively. But I, I, we've seen Appalachian State have some other big wins in the past, that's for sure. Uh, certain fans <laughs> will not be too happy, Michigan. But, uh, you know, I think that— It was a great game, though. Yeah. It was a great game. Yeah. I, it was a great game. But I, I think that— for Tennessee, they need to quickly figure it out on offense, and Dobbs definitely has to take the next step to the next level, which everyone thought he was going to do this season. He needs to do that. The defense needs to keep them right where they are because that is going to be the reason they're able to stay competitive in the SEC. And before we move on, is there anything in this Tennessee segment that you think we missed, Brandon? Anything we didn't touch that we have to? I don't necessarily think so. I think that uh, we probably didn't give... Uh, and, and we probably didn't give enough credit to the actual things that they did well, uh, but why would we? Because they didn't do that well. I, I, I think that, you know, we talked about about Dobbs. Uh, Jalen Hurd had a nice game. I mean, he had 110 yards and a touchdown. He had the game but... winner. He saved the game for him. Put him on a pedestal. He saved your season, week one. You lose to Appalachian State, you're done. Capiche, get out of here. You're not making the playoffs. One thing that I think a lot of people were looking for from the east side of the conference is they were looking for that next level. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't think people really got it. I don't think people really got it. Kentucky and Missouri continue to be garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia impressed me. Nick Chubb's going to be good. Georgia only impressed you because of Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. If there's no Nick Chubb and you take away his yardage and his touchdowns, you're going. Well, Georgia has to really kind of figure it now out, too. You, now that you say that, it's kind of the exact opposite of LSU. It's the exact opposite. I mean, Nick Chubb showed up. They won the game. If Leonard Fournette did that for LSU, what kind of a discussion are we having for the LSU Tigers? It's a completely different Leonard one. Fournette still had a good game. Nick Chubb just had an outstanding game. And, and, and I, I am so happy for Nick Chubb after, again, a horrific injury that he had last season it was bad it was really bad but he's been able to fully recover and you could tell that he was fully recovered in that game against North Carolina last week and it was really something to watch two touchdowns 222 yards and the one thing I'm going to be and I know Tennessee fans are probably like why the fuck are you talking about Georgia now but the one thing I just want to add on top of that now that we kind of see that it's going to be Jake Eason's job and it's not going to be this dual thing between him and Lambert It'll be interesting to see how that happens. They're my favorite in that side of the SEC after week one. I know fucking let's overreact to week one of the college football season, but that's usually what we do, right? So Tennessee fans, anybody listening, I want you guys to tell us down below what you think about Tennessee. Are they dead in the water? Are they going to not live up to expectations for, to me, a second straight year? And what does that kind of mean for Joshua Dobbs, the kind of guy who we've all pegged as kind of the golden child for the Volunteers. However, Brandon, can we talk about a team that won their game, fucking did it in style, and it was a fucking phenomenal game overall? Can can we do that? Can we talk about a team? I think we can. I mean, I wish Sean was here because after watching you guys do the NFL previews, you might be... Um, excited to see him cry in his tears. <laughs> kind of like I'm picturing, here's a here's a weird sight for you guys, so stay with me. Kind of think of the South Park episode, the Scott Tennerman Must Die episode, where Cartman's like, oh, your tears. And he's like licking the tears. That's what I could feel like after watching the NFL previews. You guys will have to wait for those. They might be up when this is up on the YouTube channel, but Texas, phenomenal game 
I know it was a close game. I know you could say, well, Ricky, you know, Deshaun Kaiser did well and the Fighting Irish should have won. But this was like, I watched this game. They got that win. It was a complete opposite of Tennessee. They got that win, and I immediately said, this Texas team could be something special this year. This Texas team, if they play like they did against Notre Dame the rest of the way out, they will be something special this year. And am I going to sound the alarm and say that they're a playoff team right now? I will not. I'll throw that over to Ricky to do that. But I will tell you one thing, is that this Shane Bouchelle, how exciting. This guy's got a cannon well, for an arm. Both of them, Bouchelle this and This guy's got swoops. a cannon for an arm. I was watching the game with my dad. Bouchelle throws his first pass of the game. My dad and I look at each other like, holy crap, this kid has got an arm. And he does. Shane Bouchelle, freshman quarterback, true freshman for Texas. And that is that is very exciting because of the fact that he's a true freshman. That means you can have him as long as he's there. And hopefully, mm-hmm. for Texas, you're hoping he's there till he's a senior if he keeps this up. 280 yards and two touchdowns. This kid was super impressive. He was super impressive. Swoops was also good as well. Well, the best thing you said is true freshman. That means you got him three years. If he was a redshirt freshman, you may only have him for two. If he's good enough, he could have Jameis winston it. But this is an exact kind of quote from your and I text messaging each other on Sunday. You texted me. This was about 7.50 on Sunday night. You said, Texas looks solid. ND does not look in rhythm. Bouchelle looks really good. My exact text back was, maybe Texas could make a run at the Big 12 now. Your next text back, don't get too excited, LOL. Don't get too excited. And then there might have been some uh, some very risque jokes from the mind of Brandon Swanson talking about Ricky getting excited about Texas playing well. But <laughs> this was this was a game where I I looked at it and I went, I feel good for Charlie Strong. Like, finally, this is kind of the opposite side of the Les Miles thing. Like, last year we're talking about the boosters wanting to push Charlie Strong out. Oh, is he going to work in Texas? They want to bring back Mac Brown, blah, 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 blah. Now he has this kind of a statement win, and we're all looking at Texas like, wow, you know, they, 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 have, they have something going. They have something going, and it's nice to have that young quarterback. The young quarterback that, if he plays well this season, you can build on it for years in the future. But I'm looking at this season in particular. This could be a prime season, a prime season for Texas to try to make a run at the Big 12. And here's why I'm going to say that. Baylor's going to be down. Oklahoma looked like crap against Houston. I'm going to say it. They looked like crap not making the playoffs, not winning the Big 12. TCU, they almost lost to South Dakota State. I mean, that could just be first game. You know, we don't know what we got. We got away with a victory. I know Tennessee fans who are still with us are like, whoa, you're a hypocrite, but whatever. You guys should have lost that game. Um, And then you look at the rest of it. The only other team that I think that I would peg to win the Big 12 over Texas right now is Oklahoma State. I think they're the favorite, especially how if we're overreacting from – Oklahoma's first game against Houston, I think they got what it takes. I think Texas is going to shock them in the Red River shootout this year, the Red River rivalry. But I would not be surprised if midseason we're talking about Texas going, hey, this is a team that can make a run at either co-champions or individual champions in the Big 12. So here's my thing is that I know that it's Big 12 and I always give them a hard time for none of them having a defense because they don't, let's be honest. But Vance Bedford, defensive coordinator at Texas, said he would give his defense their performance on Monday night a C. Honestly, I think that translates to A for uh, any Big 12 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that that is one thing is, Texas, if you're going to give up that many points, you give up 47, you need to be able to score consistently high in, in the 50s if you want to be able to win your games. You have to score 40 to 50 points, and, and Ricky, you can stop me if you think I'm incorrect in saying that, but you've got to score 40 to 50 points if you're in the Big 12 and you're playing a Big 12 team. You you have to score that many points to win because that's how many points probably your opponent, who's good, is going to score. Yeah, and I mean, the only reason why we're having this discussion is 
They play in the Big 12. And the Big 12 has high-powered offenses. And like if I we were, If they didn't play in the Big 12 and they gave up 47 points, I think I'd be a that little would be more worried. Yeah, it's like in the Big 12, you're going, like, I, I would expect 40-point games out of teams, only because that's the Big 12 style that kind of, like, they even mentioned it during the broadcast so many times, Tessator was mentioning it so many times of, you know, we got the offense from the Baylor style, spread wide receivers, air it out, use the running game to set up the spread pass. And really to me, the only the only games that I'm kind of concerned about is the last game of the year, TCU, because TCU showed this week they can put up points. Yeah, they and can. And they always put up points no matter who they got. I know they don't have Trevon Boykin anymore, but no matter who they got at quarterback, they can put up points. And then Oklahoma State. I mean, with me, Oklahoma, you could be saying, Ricky, you're overreacting to the Houston game. I don't think they're gonna be I don't think they're gonna be as good this year as they were last year. Like they're still gonna be good, but I think they get a game stolen from them. Later in the season, I think that Texas game is prime real estate for being stolen. Yeah, Baylor looked impressive, but they played a cupcake team. I don't think they're going to do anything when we actually get to the Big 12 kind of time. The only other game that I could see is maybe a trap game is at Texas Tech. That's it. Other than that, it's you get past Oklahoma State, you get past TCU, you're winning the Big 12, Texas. However, that's easier said than done. I need to see one more good game from Oklahoma to say that they're not doing it this year. The Cal game, not the UTEP game, the Cal game. Because UTEP sh- should be, should we agree that should be easy for Texas? What's, what, are you, what are you talking about? I, I was talking Oklahoma. Oklahoma, and, and, Oklahoma. And I, I, I was thought saying, you meant Texas. No, I, I was saying I need to see one more game from Oklahoma, and it's got to be the Ohio State game. I don't care what they do against ULM because when I say I don't care what they do, I know they're going to win, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so OSU. They've got to be able to play well against Ohio State, and, and they, they can't lose. They can't lose it. And, and they mm-hmm. have – Oklahoma, they knew coming in, they don't have an easy schedule. They knew Houston was going to be a good team, but I don't think that they were going to pl- – they thought that they would play as poorly. Of course they didn't think they'd play as poorly as they did, only scoring 23 points. And losing 33-23 to 23 by that Tom Herman-led team is something special. Ohio State is going to definitely offer them a test – and then it's TCU on the road, home against Texas. It's not going to be easy. But I don't want to say, as you seem to, mm-hmm. ah, Texas has got this one. It'll be easy. I think it's going to be stolen away. don't know yet. I'll be able to tell you after week three and the game against Ohio State for Oklahoma because that's when I'll be able to say, Ricky, yes, I think Texas really has a legitimate chance to win that one. Or mm, hold your horses. Can I throw this question out at you? Let's say that the Ohio State game, Oklahoma loses. Two losses, that's all they lose the whole year. They win the Big 12 because they would have only lost two non-conference games. With those two losses, do they make the college football play if you're already shaking your head because you knew what I was going to ask? No. No, they're not. They're not because they're coming from the Big 12, I think. you know, even if, if Even if Houston doesn't go undefeated? No, yeah, they they would not. They, Oklahoma would not get it with with two losses. I I just don't think so because you have to look at what you first. Yes, mm-hmm. everyone's gonna be like, yeah, we get it. You have to look at what everyone else do, does. But Oklahoma is not going with two losses. They're not doing it. Can I ask you this then? Can I follow it up with in the debate that many have had, the college football side of it has had. Do you think this is a year we see two a two loss college football playoff team? Probably not. Probably not, because you have to take a look at, you know, the rest of the teams that are that are up there. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see you're going to see some really good teams this year. And we're we're certainly going to see that. But, you know, OK, Alabama may not lose a game. Clemson, they probably will. Florida State, who knows if they lose a game? Well, they're going to lose to Louise or Louisville naturally. Naturally. Right. But it's like you, you look at some of these teams and there's going to be one or two teams that don't lose. Mm-hmm. And those two teams most likely are going to be your, your top two. And then Michigan you're going to have you're going to have one loss teams, a lot of one loss teams. You, it's so hard. I don't think you could make the argument 
to then bounce that two-loss team in front of the one-loss team, mm-hmm. unless you look at schedules and you go, that two-loss team scheduled tough opponents all season long. The one-loss team had two tough opponents in the middle of the year. Then, maybe, maybe, but I highly doubt it. And this is going to be the last question that I leave you with for this podcast. You ready? I I mentioned it at the beginning. I'm going to find a way, like I said, to fit them in to this podcast. Houston. They have one more, to me, one more tough test. It's Louisville. That's the only game that they have that's tough. They've got Lamar, Cincinnati, Texas State, UConn, Navy, blah, 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 Louisville towards the end of the year. If they go undefeated with a win over Louisville and a win over Oklahoma being their best wins, could we see Could we see it, or what is the percentage you would put on them making the playoff? I'll leave you for whichever side you want to answer. Which route do you want to go, yes or no, or do you want to give a percentage of the probability of them making the playoff if they go undefeated? I think if they go undefeated, people saw what they did in that first game against Oklahoma. Greg Ward Jr. looked really, really good. And I think that they have a whole lot of talent. This is a team that I think very soon will be a Big 12 team. I think that if the Houston Cougars were able to go undefeated, made their way into the college football playoff, we would see them in the Big 12 next year. So you think they're... Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying, just so I got this correctly, not necessarily they'll make the playoff, but they'll be in the Big 12 next year if they go undefeated. If they go... I'm saying that if they can make it in the playoff, too, because I think that if they go undefeated, that's great. But if they go undefeated and make the playoffs... Then they're a Big 12 team. Yeah. So that's going to do it. Before I sign everything off, because this was a Texas segment on the YouTube channel, did we tie up all our loose bowls with loose ends with Texas? Anything that you want to close off with the Longhorns? It would have been it would have been interesting if we had uh, ended with Tennessee. Did we tie up all our loose uh, bowls with it? Oh, that that's a that's a good run. But uh, no, with me, te- nuts and bowls. Texas this year is going to be better. This is the year. This could be the building year for future years with. Bouchelle, Tennessee, I'm not I'm not too high on them. LSU, we'll kind of see how it goes. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. And before I sign it off, Brandon, do you have anything for uh, the Swanee Minute or the Swanee's final thoughts? I believe that's what we called it last week. Well, one of my one of my things that I wanted to bring up is a lot of people have been complaining in the last couple of days for the hit that was put on Torrey Hunter Jr., in the end zone, he was going up for it, things like that. You know, I, I think that, you know, they, they call it a, they didn't call anything. They called nothing on the play. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there a, a tight enough rule? Is Are the rules, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's so many people were upset with it. I saw more people upset with it than were not. And what do you do there? You know, what do you do there? A no call, do you, are you able to, do you ever get to the point where people say, okay, you know, we're going to go back and we're going to replay that call. We're going to replay that play and, and, and possibly change the call to a, to a penalty flag just on plays like that where there's the possibility of targeting the possibility of a head-to-head contact collision. Does it ever get to that point? Should it ever get to that point? I kind of want to know what other people other people think. I, I, I don't really necessarily have a, an opinion one way or another. I just, I just was looking at that. A lot of people mm-hmm. seem to be very upset about it. it. Does it change the outcome of the game? Eh. But I, I think that it's interesting to see and to kind of have that discussion again, it's a discussion that comes up every year in football because that's just the type of game it is. I- I'm interested to see what other people have to say about it. Can I give my thoughts on it? Yeah, I was please, actually thinking please. about that the the day after it happened, that Monday, and I watched the play once or twice, so I'm not saying I like sat there and dissected it a million bajillion times, but after I watched it a few times, 
I think if he would have led with the crown of his helmet, then the ref would have thrown the flag targeting. But it looked like if, and you got to think with refs, bang, bang, play, bang, bang. And they don't get to go back to the replay for those kind of plays. I could see in a bang, bang situation that it looked like he was trying to lead with his shoulder. Now you could say, yeah, but Ricky, he's leading with the shoulder, but that shoulder is meeting the head. That's the conversation then we're at is I'm leading with my shoulder, but if I still hit you in the head with my shoulder, am I still in the wrong? That's what I think. And I just think the side of his helmet while he was leading with that shoulder clipped and it was still a brutal hit. But I think because he didn't lead with the crown of his helmet, that's why there wasn't a targeting call. I'm not saying that there should have been. I'm not saying that there should have been. I'm just saying that that's what I saw after watching it like one, two, maybe three times. All right, Ricky. Well, thank you very much. I, and, and, and you know, you you guys, the fans out there and the fans of MVP, please, please go down in the comment section. Let me know what, what you think. You know, maybe you're a huge Notre Dame fan and you hate it. Maybe you're a huge Texas fan. You go, stupid. Why would you even bring it up? Or maybe you're just a huge fan of another team watching that game the whole way through, saw the play, and and, and have an opinion. I want to know what you guys think because I, I I don't. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure on 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 the call, the no call. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle, kind of torn on 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 something like that. But I think it's interesting to see what other people think, especially moving forward. Because of course, you know, everyone's trying to make the game of football safer, difficult to do because it's very contact sport people are going to get hurt that's just how it goes but i uh, i'd love to hear and see what people have to say about it well you guys let us know what you think about that down below in the comment section that's going to do it for the primetime podcast anything we talked about today lsu tennessee texas we mentioned some oklahoma some houston and then that final hit in the um texas notre dame game with Tory Hunter Jr. Let us know about all that down in the comment sections. I want to thank you guys for checking out the Primetime Podcast this week. Make sure to hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast to make sure we can do cool, more interesting things. Hey, if you like the video podcast, supporting us on Patreon gets us in that right direction so that maybe eventually all of our podcasts could be video podcasts on YouTube in the future. Thank you guys again for checking out the Primetime Podcast, but as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.